Never had a chance start when I came up. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. How about you just take a moment and just greet a couple people around you. Just shake a couple hands and bless some people. Tell them Merry Christmas. Some people you don't know. Just turn to some people and say Merry Christmas. So this is a, apparently a picture of New York because our sister Lisa right here, our missions director, she was really emphatic about it being New York. Man, I, I just got to say, uh, I don't know if there are any children here, but uh, last week when I was doing the announcements, I said that Santa Claus wasn't real and there were some children in the back and they heard me. So they all like went up, but hopefully kids, if you're listening um, Santa visited you this morning and brought you your gifts. The rest of us, we know that actually, I'm not going to say anything else. I got me in trouble last time. I ain't never been booed on the pulpit. I was like, Santa is not. And everybody's like, Oh, snap, man. I was like, man, you have to kick some people out. They booing me on the pulpit. That's jacked up. <laughs> God is good. Amen. Yeah, I really feel like that this word that the Lord has for us today is a very important word. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure when I was preaching, but I knew I was preaching this month at some point. And I was having my quiet time with the Lord, and it was, uh, it was December 12th, right? So 12-12. And then I opened up my Bible, and I'm not a big person on, like, coincidences and stuff like that. But I opened up my Bible... And, and my quiet time for the day was on Acts 12. And I was like, wow, Acts 12, 12, 12. That's peculiar. But then as I began to read, I felt the Holy Spirit come on me. And God began to highlight things in this passage that I really feel like are key for you and I. And key for this house as we move forward in the new season. If you believe that, say amen. I'm just going to tell you something really quickly. Uh, one thing we believe here at New Philly is that you come to church to be changed, not to be entertained. You know, when you go to the movie theater and you watch Mission Impossible 3, you're not changed. You sit there, you're entertained by the movie. You watch Tom Cruise jumping around. I ain't even seen the movie, so I can't spoil it. But you sit there, you watch the movie, and then you exit the movie theater the same way you came. But it shouldn't be like that in the house of the Lord. When you come into the house of the Lord, it's not for you to be entertained. So I'm not going to be doing jumping jacks. Because the point is for you. Uh, uh, uh. See, somebody didn't get it already. Because when you come into the house of the Lord, you come here to be changed. You come to leave better than when you came. If you didn't come for that purpose, it's better not to be here. Because when you leave, you're going to leave the exact same way. God's drawn you here today because he wants you to leave differently. He wants you to think differently than you did when you first came here. He wants something in your mind, something in your heart, something about you that came that wasn't right. He wants to shift into its proper place. 
If you believe that, say amen. amen. Yeah, I believe God has a mighty purpose for today and for this word. So before we go any further, let's bow our heads. I'm going to say a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for New Philadelphia Church. And I thank you, God, that today, Christmas Day, God, you have set apart a word for your people. I thank you, Lord, that your word is spirit and life. And Lord, I just thank you, God, that Lord, that as the word goes out, Lord, in the same way that God, as we commemorate today, God, that there was a new birth that changed everything. I pray that today, God, you would birth something new in our lives, God, birth something new in our minds, birth something new in our hearts, God, that would change everything. That, God, when we leave this place, Lord, we would leave differently, God. We would leave challenged, Lord. We would leave inspired. We would leave touched by your Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come right now. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Begin to brood over this place that as the word goes out, you would bring about a new creation. God, I bind every lie of the devil. I bind every distraction. God, I speak, Lord, that the words that would exit my mouth, Lord, would be like a double-edged sword today. Do a mighty work in this house, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 12. I already mentioned it, so hopefully you guys are already there. If you don't have a Bible, ne- next week when you come, make sure to bring one. But we're going to just read, we're going to just read from Acts 12, verses 6. To 11, but I'm going to be going over a lot this in this chapter. How about I take the first verse, you take the second one, and then we'll, lead, we'll read the last one all together. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. An angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. get up quickly chains fell off his hands and the angel said to him dress yourself and put on your sandals and he did so and he said to him wrap your cloak around you and follow me went out and followed him he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision when they had passed the front, the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Altogether, when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people we're expecting. Amen. Amen. So what we find here in this story in Acts chapter 12 was Peter, the apostle Peter, right? So he's one of the 12 that was walking along with Jesus. And Peter has been put in prison. Peter has been put in, in prison. His, his friend James, another, another one that was with them, James was killed by this man Herod. Herod was a leader of the Jews over that time. He was a leader over that area. And he put He was persecuting the Christians during that time. He was persecuting the new believers. And so during that time, he put Peter in prison. Because when the Holy Spirit began to come upon them, Peter and the rest of the apostles began to preach the word. And when they began to preach, signs and wonders began to happen. Peter would walk by people and his shadow would pass upon them and they would be healed. 
He would lay his hands upon them and they would be healed. He would just speak a word and people would be healed and delivered. You know, you and I are supposed to walk in the same level of authority. The same spirit that lives in Peter lives in us. That when we walk down the streets of Itaewon, when we walk the streets of Seoul, and we just have a conversation with someone, we lay our hands on someone, they're supposed to get healed. They're supposed to get set free. But even in that time, there was an enemy that was coming against Peter and coming against the disciples, and it was Herod. And there was an enemy that came against him, and and what he did was he got Peter, and he put him in prison. And then when he put Peter in prison, he put chains over him, and then put guards around him. And he was locked inside a cell. You know, there's an enemy that wages war against you and I. You know, Satan walks around. It says he creeps around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, the enemy has it out for you and I to put us in a prison. To put us in a bondage. To put chains on our hands. Chains around our neck. To put centuries around us and have us in bondage. My very story is one where I lived in bondage. I lived in sexual addiction. I was promiscuous. I went out and got drunk three, four times a week. Even when I became a Christian, there was still a period of time where I was living in bondage. You know what I'm talking about when I say bondage? You know, for many believers, they walk around and they they are they are Christians like like Peter. Peter was an apostle. Peter was a man of God. Peter was doing signs and wonders. But all of a sudden, the enemy came after him. Herod came after him and put him in a prison. And before he knew it, he had chains around his neck and he had sentries around him. And he was in a cell within a larger cell. And he was stuck in a stronghold that he could not find himself out of. You know, there's many things in our lives that as Christians, they can be bondages. Bondages in our mind, in our thinking, in the way that we live our lives. Maybe it's habits and ways that you walk. I told you today you're going to leave changed, not entertained, right? You know, many of us as Christians, we can, we can know Christ. We can even walk with him. But then still live our lives in a prison. Still live our lives demonically oppressed. Still live our lives walking around every day feeling like there are chains upon our hands. Weights upon us that we are carrying. Bondage. And the crazy thing about Peter was that Peter had these chains. Peter was an apostle. He saw signs and wonders. He had the Holy Spirit living in him. He could do amazing things. But when he was in bondage, you know what happened to Peter? You know what he did? He went to sleep. You know, many of us, when we find ourselves in bondage, we don't fight the bondage. We go to sleep. You know what? I'd rather ignore these chains. I'd rather ignore that I'm in a cell that's four by four. I'd rather ignore that I am in this prison. And I go to sleep. You know what I'm talking about to be asleep when there's bondage in your life? You can be asleep because you ignore what's going on around you. Or you can be asleep because you walk around with chains and don't even know it. 
you know, many believers live, we live our lives that way. But see, what happens in this story was Peter was asleep. He was there in the cell. He took a nap. And then what happens? Verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. You know, the craziest thing about bondage and when we're in a prison is that God will oftentimes come to us in that very place. You know, what happened was Peter was he was asleep. He was in bondage. He was in a prison. And then God sent an angel to Peter and he sent an angel to Peter. And what did the angel do? He struck him. (laughs) I would think that if an angel struck me. It would probably hurt. Like if he struck me, I'm I'm probably not waking up. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm already asleep, he's just going to knock me clean out. Like no response. But an angel of the Lord came and he struck Peter and Peter woke up. You know, many believers, we're afraid that when God encounters us, he's going to strike us down. But when God comes to encounter you, he comes not to strike you down. He comes to strike you up. He strikes you to wake you up out of your slumber. He strikes you to show you to wake up. You're in chains right now. The life that you're living is not the life I called you to. You may be an apostle. You may have the Holy Spirit residing in you. But right now you're asleep. And right now you have chains. So you need to wake up. The word of the Lord to some of you is that you need to wake up. That it's time for you to wake up from your sleep. The word of the God, the word of God says, not the word of the God, the word of God, the word of the Lord says, behold, now is the time. Not any other time. Now is the time to wake from sleep for salvation is closer to us now than when we first believed. If you're in chains right now, today is the day for you to wake from sleep, beloved. Because salvation is closer to you now than even that first day that you prayed that sinner's prayer. You hear me, church, say amen. Amen. See, the angel of the Lord comes to Peter. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't coddle Peter in his bondage. He doesn't come to Peter and he, he doesn't, Peter's sitting there sleeping, you know. And he doesn't come behind Peter and just like spoon and just like be like, It's okay, Peter. It's going to be all right, brother. I know you in chains right now, but it's going to be okay. Oh, thank you, angel. I'm so glad you came. You know, when God comes into our lives, he does not come to make us feel better about our bondage. You know, there's been so many times where. Where I, I may be discipling someone. Or ministering to someone. And when they come and they begin to talk about the bondage they're in, what they want is for me to make them feel better about their bondage. I'm struggling with this and I I keep doing this and I don't know why I keep doing it, but I keep doing it. And I I just got all these chains. It's going to be okay. It's all right. That's not God. God came to set the captives free. We just talked about it. For unto us, a child is born. God sent his son. That whom would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God doesn't come to coddle us in our bondage. 
When the angel of the Lord came to Peter, he didn't say, Peter, you know, you've been having a tough time, brother. I mean, this this is an ugly cell, man. You got rats up in here. This is crazy, you know, like it's going to be okay, though. We're going to help you out. I'm going to put you on a deliverance plan in like six months. I promise you, you're going to be free, brother. I promise you, like just, you know, give me about, you know, give me about 10 years, Peter. And then I'm going to have you out to sell just five to 10. No worries. No worries. I'm going to get you out on early probation. Come on. God doesn't come to us like that. When God comes, you know what he did? He told Peter, get up. He said, get up. You know, the angel of the Lord in the Bible, it usually didn't just represent an angel. It oftentimes represented God, the father. You know, God will put people in our lives that represent him. He'll put a spiritual father in your life that represents him. He'll put a spiritual father and mother over your life, a set man and set woman that are meant to speak into your life. And who are meant to call you out. They're not meant to coddle you in your place of brokenness. They're not meant to make you feel better about having chains. But they say, get up. And the moment that the angel of the Lord said to Peter, get up, his chains fell off his hands. You know, many of us, we need to just get up. God is just saying, get up out of your slumber. Not Don't just wake up, but get up. And the chains will fall right off your hands. And then what's the next thing? Look in your Bibles. What's the next thing that the the angel says? He says, get up. He said, get up quickly, by the way. Get up quickly. Get up out of that dirt. What are you doing? Get up. And then he said, dress yourself. And put on your sandals. And he did so. And then he said, wrap your cloak around yourself. And follow me. You know, the crazy thing about about this was that the angel came to Peter and told him. To put on a cloak and to put on sandals. I want you to turn into your turn to your Bible to Luke 15. Because there's another place in the Bible where a cloak A robe and sandals show up. I'm just going to read from verse 22. Luke 15, 22. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. And put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. And shoes and sandals on his feet. This was the story of the prodigal son. This was a son that had received an inheritance from his father and ran off and squandered it. And then when he came back, he was expecting the father to judge him. He was expecting the father to beat him. He was expecting the father to condemn him. But the father ran to him, hugged him. He didn't just give him like one of those like, you know, we got like different types of church hugs. You know what I'm saying? Like we got the A hug, the H hug. You know what I'm saying? If, if you got the eye hug, though, y'all, you know, I'm going to see y'all. You know the eye hug. Anyways, he doesn't go. He doesn't go and give him a, a, a hug. You know, the A because you're both facing each other. Actually, in the original language, it was saying that the father ran to him and he grabbed him in such a way that they both fell to the ground. 
he pretty much football tackled him. <laughs> it's like Pastor Christian's always talking about the Eagles, right? Like he just, he ran up and, and he just, he laid it on him. He, he tackled him and they fell to the ground. And then when he brought him back up, he put on the, he said, give the best robe to him. Put the sandals on his feet. You know what that represents? That represents the gospel. The story of the prodigal son represents the gospel. Because we were given so much, but we were deceived. And we squandered all the wealth that we were given. And then as we're being drawn back to the father, we think that he's going to judge us, but he doesn't judge us. He sent his son that we would not be condemned, but have everlasting life. You know, the gospel is like your father giving you a million dollars. And you getting into bad business practice with a friend. And squandering all of that wealth. And then so much more that you're now in debt to that friend that you went into business with. And then the father coming back to you and saying, I will not only pay the debt that you owe your friend, but I'll restore to you that million that I first gave you. But I won't I won't only restore to you the million that I first gave you, but I'll make sure that if you have any need, any lack, any want in your entire life. I'll provide it. You lack nothing. You are my son. You are my child. I'm putting back on you the robe. I'm giving you the sandals. That represent being brought back into sonship with God. How great is the love that the father has lavished upon us that we might be called children of God and that we are. But turn back to Acts 12. See, that story represents the gospel, right? You know, Peter himself was wearing those same robes and sandals. But in order for the angel of the Lord to tell Peter to put it back on, he had to take it off. You know, there are the robe of sonship, the robe of righteousness, the sandals that God has for you to wear, the new clothes that God gives us when we come into his family. So many of us are so used to taking it off. We take off the best robe. We take off our sandals and we take on chains. But when God comes to you, like I said, he doesn't coddle us. He says, get up and now dress yourself. See, the time has come not for you to wait for someone else to dress you. God has already given you the clothes. God has already given you the best robe. He's already given you his covering. He's already given you the sandals. He's already given you the ring of an heir. And he says, son, get up. It's time to put it back on. Get up out of the dirt. Get up out of your prison cell. It's time to put it back on. And then what does he say? He says, follow me. The angel said to him, follow me. And the craziest thing about this story was that he began to follow this angel. Peter began to follow this angel and he began to just, he didn't know what was going on. It says that Peter actually thought it was a vision. You know, when God brings people into our lives to speak into our lives and he calls us to follow them, 
many times we wonder how our vision is going to be addressed. We wonder how this, this all just, this doesn't even seem real. But God's calling you to just get back up, put back on your clothes, and then just walk behind the person that he set in your life. You know, Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron, they're the set man and woman over this house. And I remember whenever I was being discipled by Pastor Christian and I was I was struggling with sexual addiction. I was struggling in my identity. I had no idea who I was. I was a Christian, but I'd taken off the robes. And I was walking around wearing chains. And I remember so many times I would go into I would go into my meetings with him, either one afraid that he was gonna be like, What have you done? Get out of my sight. And I was hoping he'd be like, It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Let me put a band-aid. On that bondage. But you know he never said that. Just every single time. He was like get up. Put the clothes back on. Dress yourself again son. Put the sandals back on. And begin to walk behind me. As I called you to walk. Begin to just follow in my footsteps. See Peter just. He just got up and he put his clothes back on. And he began to walk. And before he knew it, he didn't just walk. He walked out of his cell. You know, many times we can put the clothes of sonship on and we can change. We can not have the, the, the chains on our hands, but we're still living in a cell. We're still living in a stronghold. You know, a prison, that was a stronghold. And in the Bible, when it talks about strongholds, it's talking about your mind. Many times we can, I remember a couple, a couple weeks ago, I was, I was, I felt like I was struggling. I felt like I was at my, like the lowest place ever, but that was a total lie. Cause you know, when, when you feel like you're at your lowest, you're really at just your lowest at a new level. And God's just taking you to a whole nother level. When he's stretching you, he's stretching you for new wine. But I felt like I, I felt like I was at like step one. Like Lord, I don't even know what's going on. And I'm like, I just feel so pathetic, God. <laughs> I'm serious. That's how I was crying. Yeah, I'm thinking like, oh, he's being all dramatic. Nah, I was, I was up in there. I was like tearing my clothes. I was like, oh, this is so bad. And I just heard God speak to me so gently, and He said, Marcus, check it out. That's how God speaks to me. <laughs> Hey, yo, God knows how to speak to you. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all, he's going to be like, what's up, son? Some of you is like, oh, my precious daughter. So good to talk to you again. I don't even know what that accent was just now. But God came to me and you know what he said? He said, Marcus, I'm not just after your acts. I'm after your ways. I don't want you to just change your change your acts. I want you to change your ways. You may have taken off the chains off of your hands. And the things you do may be different. But you can still be living in a prison. In a stronghold. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, it talks about the strongholds 
the vain imaginations, the things in our minds that are set up against the knowledge of God. You know, see, Peter was there in that place and Peter was. He addressed himself, but he was still in a in a four by four. He was still in a cell. There were still rats running around. He was wearing some some fashionable clothes. He was wearing like, you know, he had his Versace of the, you know, olden times. But he was still in a cell. And so many of us, we may we may have the our acts right, but our ways are wrong. We may do the right things, but yet our thinking is still in bondage. But when God called him to get up and to dress himself, he also said, follow me. And the crazy thing was, was that then Peter began to walk behind him. It says, verse nine, he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He thought it was a vision. And Peter began to walk and he just began to follow the angel in front of him. Follow the person that God had sent to set him free. And as he began to follow him before he knew it, he was out of the cell. And before he knew it, he was past the guards. And before he knew it, he was standing before an iron gate. And out on the outskirts of that iron gate was the city. It was a road leading to his destiny. You know, many times in the house of God, God will call you to follow someone. And you're walking behind them, but you have no idea what's happening is real. You have no idea that that this person that I'm following, is this really going to lead me to my destiny? I have all these visions and dreams. I have this purpose and plan, but is walking behind this person really going to set me free? But the crazy thing was with Peter, as he was just obedient, he was just following this angel, this ambassador of God. He comes to an iron gate. And the crazy thing was, is it says the iron gate opened on its own. You know, many of us were we're hesitant to put to put our trust in a man or woman of God that's placed over us because we're afraid that they're not going to lead us to our destiny. They're not going to lead us to the promised land. They're not going to lead us to the things that God has placed on our heart. But for Peter, when he was just obedient and he was just walking and he was just walking, he came out of he came out of his mental strongholds. He he came out of the bigger strongholds and then he came to a gate that opened wide. God had set before him a door that no man could shut. I want to tell you today that if you're just if you just get up, put your clothes back on and then begin to just follow the man and woman of God. One day you're going to go to an open door that no man can shut. And then they're going to lead you through that open door into your destiny. And the crazy thing was, was once Peter walked through that gate, he walked through that open door. The angel left him and he came to his senses and he looked back onto his life. He looked back and he realized that everything that had happened that he thought was a dream was real. That whole time when he was walking, he could not see what was happening. He did not know why he was being called to put his clothes back on. He couldn't understand the long-term ramifications of just following this man or woman. But when he got up and he just began to walk, and then he walked through that open door, when he came to his senses, he looked back and he looked upon the course of his life, and he realized that whole time God was setting him free. 
When I look back over the course of my life, I look back over the four or five years I've been under Pastor Christian and, and Pastor Aaron. And I think about my mindset when I was just following him. I had no idea what was going on. It wasn't like I had some huge moment. You know, many times when we walk into the house of God, we look at the people with the mic and we assume they had it all together. But for the first 15 years of my life, I was abused. Then after that, I became an atheist. You know, the gospel has such power to take people who mock the gospel and make them preachers. Right now, you may be mocking the gospel, but probably give it some time. You're probably going to be preaching it. No, you will be preaching it. Not probably. And now when I look back, I look back and I see all the times where I was just following. And I realized those were the times when God was setting me free. When you're in change, you don't know how you're going to get set free. You can't see outside of your own prison door. But when God sends someone to you, they call you to get up to put your clothes on as a son. That's what the father was doing when he put the robe on and the sandals on and the ring. He was establishing him as a son of God. And then when he began to walk. God began to take him. God begins to take us places. Where we look back and we realize. I'm in my destiny. I was getting set free. And now I'm on the path to the city. You know, the craziest thing about this was that then after Peter gets gets brought out. After Peter is brought out by the angel and the angel leaves him. He goes back. And he goes to the ones who knew him. He goes to the people that knew that he was in chains, knew that he was in bondage, knew that he had all these problems, knew that he was in a cell. And he goes outside the door and a servant girl comes. She sees him. She freaks out. She doesn't even let him in and then runs back to tell everyone. Like, that's how excited she was. Like, she didn't open the door. She just opened ah, and then closed it and ran off. (laughs) And the crazy thing was, was that then. Then he. She went back and she told everyone, but they didn't believe. You know, God wants to do such a work in your life that when he takes you out of the bondage, he takes you out of the prison. He takes you into your destiny that then when you go back and you talk to people who knew that you were in chains, knew that you were in bondage, knew that you were broken, knew that you were beat down. They won't even believe it, even if they were told. They'll look at you and be like, no, that's got to be a ghost. That's got to be someone different because the Marcus I knew was addicted. The Marcus I knew was abused. The Marcus I knew was beat down with unforgiveness and bitterness. Who is this Marcus? That's the word of the Lord for you. That's what God wants to do in your life. But, you know, I feel that this word isn't just for For you and I as individuals, but for us as a house. 
Because when this church first started, one of the things that marked this church was was not just our prayer, but our healing and deliverance. And people begin to get set free. And that's, that's still one thing that marks this church is that people get set free. Our healing and deliverance ministry, when you come and you see people jumping around like, not like crazy people, but jumping around like, like crazy people. I mean, when I first came to this church, I thought, I was like, I'm in a, I'm in a loony house. These people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, worship. I'm like, trying. Well, I'm trying to worship. Here I am to worship. And the person behind me is like, here I am to worship. I worship. I'm like, well, okay, I'm trying to sing. You interrupted my worship right now. You come in this house and you see people who are worshiping the Lord extravagantly, pouring out their lives. And you wonder how that happened. That happened because God sent people to tell them to get up. And then when they began to get up, the chains came off their hands and the chains came off of their hands so that they could lift their hands. And then the house began to get filled with sons and daughters who began to worship with open arms and open hands. It's not just singing a song. The word of God says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That when we praise God, his presence comes down. And when God enters a place, that place is changed. You cannot see God and then go back home the same way. But then what began to happen in this house is that God began to tell us to put our robes on. And began to tell us to put our shoes on as sons. And we begin to understand what it means to walk as sons and daughters of God. And many of you, you may not even understand what I'm talking about, but stay along, stay around long enough and you will. Saying that you're not supposed to walk in insecurity. You're not supposed to walk in fear. You're not supposed to walk in anxiety. You're supposed to walk in, in being covered in being safe. You're supposed to walk in health. Your mind is supposed to be renewed. That's what God has for you. It's the power of God for salvation towards us who believe. And as God's been leading us, he's been taking us out of each and every cell in the prison. And the house is his mind is getting renewed. And people are beginning to understand that it's so much bigger than coming to church on a Sunday. It's so much bigger than just putting in your tithe. It's so much bigger than a small group once a week. Because this church, God has put a calling upon this house to go through the iron gate, to go through a door by which no man can shut and to enter into cities and nations and transform them. So that then. It would be like it says in Habakkuk 1.5, look at the nations and watch. For see, I am doing a work among you that you would not believe even if you were told. You have entered into a great house today. You have stepped into a place that is filled with the presence of God. And God wants to transform you. He wants to take you out of your pit and set you up on a rock. And not just set you up on a rock, but make you a prime minister. 
That's the story of the sons and daughters in this house. That's the story of the people who worship here because that's what God is doing. And as we enter into this next year, what God is doing is he's taking us from glory to glory. He's taking us into the city. He's taking us into the place where we confront the Herods. We confront the rulers. And we bring them down and we see the word of God increase and multiply. That's the last verse of this chapter, I believe. I could be wrong. Verse 24. I was wrong. It says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. We're entering into a new year where the word of God will increase and multiply. And, you know, the word is life and the word is light and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's bow our heads in prayer.